This is an ABC podcast. A very happy new year to you, my friends. It's almost time to start a brand new season of news time. But while we wait, here's one of our favourite episodes from 2022. It's our deadly NADOC Week episode from back in July, and it's hosted by my friend, Gomoroi reporter Jack Evans. Yama Malia, I'm Jack, and I'm a Gomoroi man coming to you from Ghana country. Welcome to our special NADOC Week edition of Newstime. Hello, my name is Finley, and my mum is from Arab in the Torres Strait. I live on Kumbamari country in the Yugamba land group. Hello, my name is Freddie, and I live on Yugamba country. Jingri, my name is Chloe. I come from a big Aboriginal and South Sea Islander family. Hello, my name's Archie and I live on Yugen Bear Country. I love running up and down sand dunes and like jumping into creeks. Awesome. So, what is NADOC Week all about? It's about Aboriginal and Torres Strait. It's remembering about what happened to them. My family's coming to the school and like they're getting all painted and being Aboriginal people and showing me like how really good it is. It makes my heart feel really good. NADOC Week is about celebrating the history, cultures and achievements of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. We've been living on and taking care of the place we now call Australia for over 60,000 years. So there's a lot to celebrate. So this week on Newstime, we're marking NADOC Week with five fantastic black news stories. Cool. We'll meet some kids who are being taught in two languages at school. Hear about the famous rugby player who's had a trophy named after him. Go looking for some tiny birds in Arnhem Land. Find out who Sunshine Supergirl is. And in our Wow of the Week, learn about something historic that's happening at the top of one of Australia's most famous icons. I wonder what it can be. Let's find out. Story number five. A school in New South Wales became the first in the state to teach kids in English and in their local Indigenous language. The Gumbangir Gingana Freedom School is in Coffs Harbour and is a bilingual school, which means two languages are used in lessons, English and Gumbangir. And if they didn't know it, now they would learn it and their mum and dad might not even know how to say those words and then the kids can teach their mum and dad. I wish I had that at my school too. Every day, the kids are taught Gumbangir language and culture, as well as other subjects like English, maths and science. And each week, the kids head out of the classroom to learn on country. It actually makes my heart feel really warm and sweet. Oh, me too. Gumbengir man Clark Webb helped start the school. And he says learning about culture is important not just for the Indigenous kids, but for all Australians. He says that right now the world needs Indigenous knowledge, especially to tackle the issues of climate change and global warming. The Gumbangir Gingana Freedom School is still small. It has only one principal and three teachers, and is only open to kids in kindy through to year two. 
But next year, the school is hoping to expand to years three and four. It is good and it's really like respectful because it reminds me of black people that went into Australia first. And there's a hope the school will help Gumbangir be spoken not only in class, but on the streets of Coffs Harbour too. That's pretty cool. Story number four. A trophy has been renamed after one of Australia's best Indigenous rugby union players. Wow! Mark Ella is a Bidjigal and Ewan man who played 25 tests for the Wallabies, the Australian rugby union team, and was also their captain. It's kind of like touch, but you tackle. That's right. Now, one of the most important union trophies is being named after him. The trophy used to be called the Cook Cup after Captain James Cook. Who was Captain Cook? A white man who was in a lot of ships. A white explorer. He's from England. He fought Torres Strait and Aboriginal with Terra Nullius. Terra Nullius means nobody lives on this land, but someone actually did live on the, that land. Mark's brother says that for many Indigenous communities, Cook symbolises displacement. Because when Captain Cook and white people arrived here, First Nations peoples were forced to leave their homes and countries. So now, the trophy will be renamed the Ella Mobs Cup, after Mark Ella and Edgar Mobs, who played for England more than 100 years ago. Mark is retired now, but says it's a big honour to have his name on the cup, and that he was very surprised. The Ella Mobs Cup was launched in Perth as part of NAIDOC Week and will be taken home by the winning team of this year's test series. Good luck, Wallabies! Story number three. That is a sound that made some indigenous rangers in Arnhem Land very excited when they heard it because it's the call of a bird they thought might be extinct. It's called the white-throated grass wren, also known as Yulinkakir in Binning language. It has a little beak and it has brownish fur on his tummy and on the back he has a little big puffy tail. He sure does. Waterken Indigenous Ranger Tara Gumala says the grass wren is an important bird that lives on stone country and that the rangers have been looking for the Yulinkakir for months without any luck when they heard the call. An indigenous ranger has a good understanding of the country. If there was an indigenous ranger, there would probably be more animals endangered and more plants that are dying. Yep. How do you think they feel to hear the bird again? Excited and happy. To find the bird, the Waterkin rangers went to the parts of Arnhem Land that they managed that hadn't been burnt recently. While they looked, they played the bird's song. And after a while, the little Yulinkakir appeared, looking for the other birds. The rangers were glad, not only to see the rare bird, but also because it shows that traditional burning methods are working to protect country. Story number two. Do you know what Wiradjuri woman Yvonne Gulagongkoli is famous for? Tennis. Tennis. Yes. And she has won some of the biggest tournaments in the world, including Wimbledon in London twice and the Australian Open four times. 
Wow! She also became Australia's first Aboriginal world tennis champion. But it wasn't easy for Yvonne to become number one. Her first racket was a paddle made from a wood fruit box. And it didn't even have strings. That is not going to be easy because it looks like a bat. Yvonne also faced a lot of prejudice and racism because she's Aboriginal. You'd feel sad, annoyed, confused, very confused. Imagine if I was her, right, and that happened to me. I wouldn't just be crying and sitting there. I would get up and just like hit it really hard that they would lose. One day, a local tennis club president saw her watching outside the fence and invited her to join in. She had real skill on the court and at 14 she moved to Sydney to boarding school to hone her tennis. At Wimbledon, Yvonne earned the nickname Sunshine Supergirl. She would look like Wonder Woman. Yellow clothes, black skin. She would have sunshine sparkles on her clothes. Really beautiful and really shiny. Well, Sunshine Supergirl is also the name of a new play about Yvonne's life. Yota Yota Ganai Kurnai Woman, Andrea James, wrote and directed the play. Andrea says she was inspired by Yvonne because she was one of only two Aboriginal people she saw on the television growing up. Sunshine Supergirl is now about to tour Australia and share Yvonne's story with even more people. And now it's time to open the curtain on our... Wow the Week. This story made me go wow because it is really fun, it is really respectful, and plus it is just amazing and I love it so much. A little while ago, you might have heard about a push to fly the Aboriginal flag permanently on top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Well... Now, the New South Wales government has promised that within two years, the Aboriginal flag will wave above the city each and every day. So people know that it's their culture, it's their land, so you should give them respect. I just love it because then they know that Aboriginal people are here too. Right now, only the Australian flag flies at the top of the bridge all the time while the New South Wales flag flies on the second pole, except for just 19 days of the year when the Aboriginal flag replaces it, to mark special occasions like NAIDOC week. Cherie Toker is a Gamilaroi woman who, five years ago, started the campaign to fly the Aboriginal flag above Sydney Harbour permanently. How do you think Cherie feels now? Just proud of herself. Really? Excitedly. Yay, I feel so happy. Yay! Yep. And Cherie hopes other First Nations people are proud to see their flag fly every single day and that it's a chance to remind Australians of Aboriginal cultures. But it's not easy to add a third flag on top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. The poles are massive. They are about as tall as a six-storey building. And experts have to make sure that the bridge is strong enough to hold the extra weight of the pole and the nine-metre-long flag. It will take two years and it costs a lot of money. But the New South Wales Premier says it's a small price to pay to acknowledge First Nations peoples. 
And just this week, the Victorian government announced that the Aboriginal flag will fly permanently above the Westgate Bridge in Melbourne. If they feel important, they, they feel like really happy. How good was that? I am looking forward to NAIDOC Week 2023. We'll catch you next week with another awesome replay. See you next time. In a while, crocodile. News Time is an ABC Kids Listen podcast. For other awesome podcasts to play, music to move to and stories and soundtracks for sleep, download the ABC Kids Listen app. It's free from your app store.